0: This is the Priority One Starbase. A beacon of hope in a desperate universe. A vanguard against the evils of the galaxy. A safe haven for the desperate and oppressed. The Nexus, where great heroes gather to fight against the darkness. Alright, what the deuce? Who writes this hyperbolic dribble? Alright,
1: everyone stop. Cut.
0: Can you please get on with it?
1: Alright, let's start again from where we left off.
0: And, action! As a new recruit makes her way to the Fulcrum of Peace, oh for Q's sake! Can you just read the lines? Action! Two officers are having a clandestine meeting in the bowels of the station.
2: Did you get the stuff?
3: Right here. Pure Sulfur Hexafluoride. The best quality available on this side of the galaxy. Go ahead and test it.
2: Ah, yes. There's my resonance. And as agreed, here is your payment. 17 Grade A5 tribbles. If you don't mind me asking, what do you do with these tribbles?
3: Hmm... It's better if I show you. See this phaser rifle? I'll attach one tribble to it. Normally duct tape would be fine, but I prefer using a micron
2: wrench. What are those noises it's making? The tribble does not sound normal.
3: What? No, no, the Tribble loves it. (laughs) Now watch
2: this. (laughs) Impressive.
4: Is everything alright in here? I heard weapons fire and... Is that a Tribble on your phaser rifle?
3: Um, uh, this... Uh,
2: this is a classified prototype, recruit.
4: Ooh! Is that sulfur hexafluoride? I heard it can make your voice deeper.
2: That's just a myth. It has not been scientifically proven.
4: Is that a crate of tribbles? Are those pink ponies drawn on the crate?
2: Recruit...
4: Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm new here. Recruit Officer Kenna, reporting for duty.
2: Recruit Kenna, under Starfleet Intelligence Protocol 412.6, Subsection B, Title Three: you cannot repeat or mention anything you have seen or heard here to anyone, not even your superior officer. This is all highly classified material. If any of this gets leaked, the whole quadrant would be at risk.
4: Okay. Yes, sir.
2: What are you even doing down here, recruit?
4: I'm supposed to report to the Admiral, but somehow I've gotten turned around and lost.
3: Oh, I can help you with that. Go down that corridor, turn left at the intersection, then take the express turbo lift to level 27A.
4: Oh, thank you very much.
3: Starfleet intelligence protocol 412.6 subsection B, title three. You just made that up on the spot, didn't you?
2: Well, all the intelligence protocols are classified anyway. Who's going to know the difference? Wait, level 27A? Isn't that where the common doffs are sent when they get assigned to a starbase project? Huh?
3: Oh, you're right.
2: Oh well, she seemed to be such a nice recruit. Bright eyes and bushy tail. It's a shame they go so young. By the way, would you be able to give me a lift to Vulcan? Of course, I'm on my way to Peshem, so it isn't out of my way.
1: Jason Cam, report to my office right
0: now. Uh-oh. Moments later, in the nerve center of the station that serves as a steward defender of all that is good... Oh, come on, really? Do I really have to read this? I represent the silent majority. I should have the lead role!
1: <sighs> I don't believe this. Do you know what? I don't think this is working out. Actually, you're fired. Security, come here. You can't can't fire me. Escort Mr. Elijah,
0: off the premises, will you? Thank you. The silent majority will not abide by this. I will not suffer this indignity. I speak for the silent majority. The silent majority!
1: Why is your voice like that, Jace? Have you been inhaling hexafluoride again? What, me? No, it's just the... It's the acoustics in this room, that's all. The acoustics? Do you take me for an idiot? And you, Cam? Is that triple fur on your uniform? There is 17 times more fur on you now than the last time I saw you. This? Oh, I just had a replicator accident. For an intelligence officer, you aren't very smart. Yes sir, I mean, no sir, I mean, you are correct, sir. Is it your plan to give me an ulcer? Newsflash, it's working. Fine. Now for the real reason I called you in here. We've had five new recruits disappear, run away or outright quit in the past month. Do you know anything about this? No, no sir. sir we, we don't know, don't know anything about, about new recruits. recruits. You know, the way you reply makes me highly suspicious.
4: I made it. I made it. I'm okay. I'm here.
3: I uh, I just remembered that I'm desperately needed on Pijam.
2: Oh, yes. I have to get to Vulcan for an important thing. You two
1: stay right where you are. Recruit Kenna, why do you look singed? Why is your uniform in tatters? Are you bleeding? Uh,
4: well, I was a little lost and got instructions that sent me to level 27A.
1: What? Who gave you those instructions?
3: Transporter room, emergency transport. Two to beam out.
1: Why, uh, you get back here this instant- ah!
4: Admiral, are you alright? Sickbay, medical emergency in the Admiral's office. Oh dear, what seems to be the problem here? The Admiral, he just collapsed. (laughs) Huh. I see. Would you hold on to this for me, dear? Is this nerve tonic? Isn't that illegal? It's quite
5: alright, dear.
4: Now, Admiral, you cut off my nerve tonic. You sent me away to rehab. Now I will be paying you back. Ah! What was that, Admiral? Oh, have some sorry and brandy instead of delicious nerve tonic, you say? Sorry and brandy? No! Cookie! Okay. Please! I... uh... I'm no physician, but I don't think that's helping. Oh no, dear, it's perfectly fine. I'm healing a real good. Oh my... Hey, new girl, be a doll and pass me that cellular destabilizer? I... okay. Thank you, dear. Oh, where are my manners? Welcome to priority one. Everyone here is really nice. We all ah! get along swimmingly. Why don't you relax and enjoy some nerve Tonic? What have I cut myself into? This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support.
0: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secure Channel.
2: Hello, admirals. You're listening to episode 226 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded on Thursday, June 11th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, June 15th, at priorityonepodcast.com. I'm Jace. I'm Cam. And I'm Kenna. This week, we're bringing you a special broadcast all the way from the sunny shores of Risa. So sit back with a nice glass of Rokasa juice and enjoy the show. Cam, why don't you tell us what's in store this week?
3: This week, we'll be trekking out an asteroid that's just been named after a Star Trek favorite. In Star Trek Online news, we'll be learning about changes to advanced PvEQs and the introduction of new Tier 6 ships available exclusively to 1000 Day Veterans. Our Foundry reviewer Jake Morgan tackles a murder mystery in Paradise. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
4: Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages. So chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live or answer our community questions by commenting on our website, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOne or via Twitter at STO one.
3: Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of their support, the floaters keep floating, the power boards keep powering, the Horgans keep... uh, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page.
4: One last thing, listeners. We're looking for an audio assistant to help edit the show each week. If you think you'd like to try your hand, Send us an email at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam on our website for more information.
2: Now let's find out which Star Trek alum has been recently immortalized in the asteroid belt. Join my star. Uh, then let's Trek it out.
4: It was confirmed last week that Asteroid 4864 has officially been named Asteroid 4864 Nimoy, after the late Leonard Nimoy. Originally discovered on September 2, 1988, it's a small asteroid, about 10 kilometers in diameter, and located in the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. It has an elliptical orbit of about three and a half years, and orbits in almost the same plane as Earth. Funnily enough, it's not quite the first time that Leonard Nimoy has been immortalized in space. In 1985, another asteroid was named 2309 Mr. Spock, but in that case, it was actually named after the astronomer's cat. The cat, of course, was named after the famous Star Trek character, but it nonetheless sparked a debate at the International Astronomical Union that eventually led to the guideline that asteroids should not be named after pets.
2: Oh, 2309, interesting.
4: I know, weird, huh? The naming of an asteroid is actually a fairly highly regulated process. Its discoverer can apply to the IAU to give it a name, but there are a number of guidelines that must be followed, including how long the name can be, whether it's pronounceable, and how similar it is to names of other astronomical bodies. Often the name is chosen in tribute to an individual who has contributed to the advancement of space science. Sadly, asteroid 4864 Nimoy cannot be seen with the naked eye, but keen astronomers with a decent telescope will be able to observe it at certain times of year when it's at its brightest.
2: Ooh, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm interested. Apparently
4: it's going to be, if you've got a decent telescope, you should be able to see it in July.
2: Oh, cool. It gives me a little deadline to get a telescope.
3: Decent telescope? Yeah.
4: How on (laughs) earth do you actually find it? I don't know. but apparently
3: there are charts for those type of things uh, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah usually you find something brighter and just sort of trace a path from it in my experience amateur astronomy is fun kids try it out
3: it actually is there's actually some uh augmented reality programs that you can download to your um either your phone or your um tablet and you can use that for stargazing, where the actual it'll highlight stuff on the this mobile screen for you. Yeah, I've used and that, that makes, kind of
2: stuff a little bit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that
3: makes it a little bit easier. It's not it's no uh, it's not a replacement for actually using a telescope and looking at things with your naked eye through the telescope, but uh, it helps out if you, for example, live in a big city.
2: Have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech you'd like us to cover? then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message.
0: I'm only in the mood for good news today.
3: Advanced queue changes. Following up on changes done to certain advanced queues, such as Azure Nebula Rescue earlier this year, The devs have now updated the rest of the advanced queues to follow suit. The big changes are... Advanced queues will no longer have a fail objective. If an objective is optional under normal difficulty, it will now remain optional in advanced. Little asterisk here. If the normal difficulty has a fail objective, that fail objective will remain in advanced. Another change. Normal and Advanced queues will now reward the same amount of marks. Completing the optionals will grant more mark rewards on Advanced. And finally, objectives have been normalized between Normal and Advanced. That is, they will all have the same objectives. The blog states that because of the changes, players will be able to earn more marks and Elite marks. I have a hard time believing this, but we'll get back to this in a minute. The blog also states that these changes will reduce player progression bottleneck. At this point, I have to stop because I strongly disagree. This will greatly increase the bottleneck and merely shift it around. Now we'll no longer have a middle difficulty between Normal and Elite. This will become Normal and Normal Plus. Players are no longer earning their marks and elite marks, but having the rewards handed to them. A player will now be able to enter an advanced queue, do enough damage to not get marked as AFK, and get the elite marks and advanced R&D boxes for no effort. Players who were able to complete the advanced queues before are probably going to see this as a rewards nerf. I see this whole change as cryptic rewarding player entitlement. Time will tell we're going to see players demanding that the elite difficulty be dumbed down as well. After all, if they deserve to have elite marks and advanced R&D mats handed to them, why not go all the way and just give them the salvage tech for little effort as well?
2: Oh yeah, I need salvage tech. That sounds good. Oh wait. Oh wait, <laughs> oh, wait I'm I bet.
3: <laughs> Personally, I think a better solution would have been to a remove the fail lockout and the booby prize that comes with failing a queue. So, you know, if you fail a queue, you can re immediately. B, increase or improve the rewards for both advanced and elite queues as an incentive for players to improve. I will admit, though, that this might be a double-edged sword as it might make some players cry even more. C, finally, Cryptic should create some kind of tutorial mission. There are a lot of community-based knowledge centers out there. But a lot of players might not know how to access it. Something official from Cryptic would go a long way.
2: Hmm. I hadn't really considered some of the aspects you were talking about. Like you said, some of these changes are things that have been pretty hotly cried for, uh, in multiple fora.
3: What about you, Kenna? What do you think?
4: Well, to be honest, it doesn't really affect me that much. I generally only play cues on normal. I usually do pug groups, so, uh, I probably won't feel the effects of it, although I have to say as a newish player to the PvE queues I would probably be more likely to try an advanced queue now because I won't feel like I would fail entirely because I could still do decently well and actually get a reward from it rather than being kicked out prematurely. Maybe that's what they were going for because there's been a lot of emphasis on newer players recently and rewarding newer players and maybe that's what they were trying to aim for.
2: Uh, this raises an interesting question because you compared uh, because Cam you compared the difficulty between normal and advanced and then elite where they're not currently elite versions of a lot of queues still like the STFs still don't have elite versions mostly Um, I wonder if they're waiting to gauge where they're going to land on difficulty before they even put those in so that they don't have to make numerous adjustments to them
3: uh, that's true. The elite cues have really a variety of difficulties. You have some easy elite cues. You have some medium difficulty elite cues, and you have some really really difficult elite cues. Example of an easy elite queue would be Battle of Corfez. That one is so easy. It's it's elite in quotation mark. It's actually easier than some of the advanced cues. Um, another one would be Borg Disconnected, or the vault snare Elite, those are really easy. The Medium Difficulties one would be like uh, VCE, Viscous Cycle Elite. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum, and you have the Herald Sphere Elite, Reach Elite, uh, the uh, the Spire Elite, and um, Gateway to Grethor Elite, Hive Space Elite. Those are tremendously difficult. Really, really, really difficult. And, you know, it's... There's only a few handfuls of players in the game that can actually compete in those. And and most of the time, we have to have a little bit of luck to even complete those.
2: Yeah, I watched some of your videos of, I think, mostly Hive and uh, one of the other ones that you were banging your head on with a pre-made group for a while.
3: Yep, it was, it was really difficult. I think um, just when Delta Rising was released, we did a Hive Advanced, not even Elite, Hive Advanced, and we failed that. It was. Uh,
2: well, Hive is pretty tough. I only actually did the Elite version pre Delta Rising a couple times.
3: And that one is a true Elite where you actually have to have a pre made team. So you might have to actually pre make the team. Like you, we need a, a tank here, or we need a debuffer or a controller or something like that. And the guys have to be on voice comms like TeamSpeak or Ventrilo or something like that. And you have to coordinate the targets. So everyone, focus on this one cube right now, and I'm hitting this debuff right now. I'm hitting this buff right now. You know, my next buff is in 20 seconds,
2: etc. And that's more coordinated than than I used to be when I raided in WoW. Like you had, I mean, we were all on Teamspeak, but it wasn't that micromanaged where many people were talking about the specific abilities they were using. There might be one or two like, oh, I'm gonna use this, and I'll use it again when it's off cooldown, and that's like it.
3: Pretty much, but um, this type of coordinations is something you typically see in some of the better PvP teams and of course in other games like um, EVE online required some sort of coordination like that but uh, it was primarily something you found in PvP and It just goes to show there's a lot of similarities between PvP and some of the uh, some of the teams that are required for completing elite content
2: right right I can see that
3: but just to just to go back a little bit and just a comparison um, gateway to Grethor, in the advanced can be completed with a team of less than 10 K players the elite version so just going from advanced to elite from a team of 10 K players you need a team of 70 K players so there's a huge gap there and there's there's no middle ground anymore
2: yeah and i doubt that it's intended to be that stratified quite because that would be such a small pool of players to actually see the content
3: the problem i have here is i you know a lot of us consider the elite queues to be under rewarding right now they are so difficult um they require so much effort But the rewards you get are not that much more than what you get in advanced. If they do nerf them down and make them easier, uh, what's to stop them from saying, "Mm, you know what, now they're over-rewarding, let's cut the rewards down
2: even more. Right. I mean, the only thing you're really getting from elites that you don't get in some form from advanced are the salvage tax, right?
3: You get a little bit extra dilithium. Right. You get additional...
2: uh, of the basic rewards but the only thing that's unique is the salvage tech the salvage tech yes and since those drop in any elite it gravitates most people towards the easiest elites
3: pretty much yeah um, like the ground elites the ground elites most of them are super easy and are like farmed really regularly there's only like you know one or two ground elites that are considered impossible to do or near impossible to do but other than that the ground is considered fairly easy
2: such a turnaround that's funny
3: it is it is very ironic from how it was before isn't
2: it i think so well that brings us to this week's community question do you play normal and or advanced PvE queues? what do you think about these changes to the rewards and will it change what cues you choose to run
4: so, uh, for patch notes, the majority of the changes this week were really cosmetic changes. There are a few notable entries, though. All the Feather Monkeys and Tropical Bird Duty Officer assignments have had their durations reduced from 24 hours to 20, which is going to really help if you're grinding them for marks. I know it's going to save me a lot of time.
2: Ah, oh, so good.
4: Yeah, I know. Um, it, and I think it allows you to sync everything up, because the... Um, the daily is on 20 hours isn't it so you log in you go in and you do your daily get your monkeys and birds this is bizarre if you're listening to it out of context Yeah. Um, huh. uh, and then you kind of carry on you can do a few of the other things to get your um, your other uh, Lolanat favours and, um, and then carry on but you don't, have to, you don't have to actually be on for 4 hours at a time which is what you had to do before so I'm, I'm really pleased about that change um, some other notes. Floaters now appear when wearing clubwear on Ryza. Yeah, previously, if you were wearing clubwear and you put your floater on, it just wouldn't appear. Um, but it does now.
3: This makes me so sad that they fixed this. Why? Because I loved flying around in my clubwear without the floater showing up and just zooming around. Made me feel like Supergirl.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, you could do the coolest outfit with like Superman colors. That would be awesome. It's true. Yeah. Or Supergirl, sorry. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, they've now added the text to say Iconian Marks to the description for all these scaling All Marks Choice Packs. So previously, it didn't say that it included Iconian Marks, although they were in there, um, but now that should be a little bit clearer for players. Uh, and finally, they've resolved an issue where the new power board, the Targhog, the base speed and turn rate were their incorrect values. Nerf. Nerf. <laughs> Nerf.
2: So what are the correct values? Is it supposed to be similar to the superior power boards?
4: I think it's meant to have a higher turn rate and less inertia. So it's meant to be more maneuverable, but it's not meant to be faster than a superior board, which it was originally.
2: Hmm. Have to check it out. I haven't gotten one yet. I don't really like the aesthetic, but pretty much haven't been able to win races without one. As usual, check out the patch notes. There are a number of changes to costumes, some ship exteriors, and particularly now when I wear my beachcomber shorts, I actually have legs. It's fantastic. Yay! <laughs> After all this time, I finally have a leg to stand on. Aww. <laughs> Until July 9th, lifetime subscriptions to Star Trek Online will be $199, down from the regular price of $299. This is good news for anyone who's been waiting to buy one as these sales only occasionally crop up, maybe twice a year. However, while we're all here soaking in the rays, drinking Mai Tais, and admiring the gleam off the Nandy's authentic imitation latinum hull, there is exciting news for new and existing lifetime members and long-term veteran subscribers. Tier six versions of the Chimera, Peg and Dainos Heavy Destroyers. Available under the 1000 day veteran rewards, These ships offer several improvements over their Tier V and Tier VU brethren. First, their engineering lieutenant seats got promoted. They are now lieutenant commander seats and hybrid engineering and command. They also gain plus 5 shield power, in addition to the plus 10 weapons power already on board, and enhanced dynamic tactical system console. Enhance. Enhance. Enhance which adds a passive boost to crit severity and hull hit points on top of the abilities it already possessed, and a new starship trait, Weapon System Synergy. This trait, once unlocked and slotted, causes your directed energy weapons to build up stacks of Weapon System Synergy, which, once it stacks up to 10, primes your projectiles to deal extra damage and shield bleed through for several seconds. Afterwards, there will be a brief lockout before you start stacking synergy again. Will this cause some folks to slot torpedoes at last? We'll see.
3: (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. Um, Before you guys ask, and I know you were asking, since there are currently 15 different variants of this ship, we will not be doing any reviews. Oh. And yes, that means there will be 18 variants of the veteran ship when the
2: fleet versions are released. Let's see: three factions times tier five U times tier five tier tier five U fleet fleet tier five. T- uh, I can't even think. Uh, however, I will note that the tier five version is now usable at, at level 40. So that was reduced from level 50, which is a nice little bonus. You can get more use out of the lower level version now. And last but not least, each of these three new tier 6 ships, the Manticore, the Duvku, and the Denies, come with an all-new skin and a unique appearance. I'm especially fond of the Manticore's mission pod, which I think really gives the old Chimera model a little much-needed character, although I was always a fan of the design.
4: Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse.
3: Cryptic Jojeng has been posting up a storm on the official forums about upcoming reorganization of many tailor items, starting with pants, belts, and footwear to take care of problems that have been cropping up. Ah, I see what he did there. In some cases, the real tantalizing part is this, though, in quotation marks. And we're also trying hard to address many requests we've had to actually unlock certain parts to species, factions, as appropriate, as well as free up more items between uniform and off-duty.
2: Mm.
4: Ooh, a bit more mixing and matching going on in the future, then. Hopefully. With legs and arms. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you can now have four arms or three legs and one arm.
4: Yes, and they will all be visible.
2: Perfect. This next one isn't exactly dev tracking. More like being trolled by Trendy. There's a small group of players on the forums collaborating on cracking the Trendy code. We understand this may involve Tom Hanks and a trip to Italy before it's solved, but apparently she's left us a trail of breadcrumbs across numerous dev blogs and no one has figured out the solution just yet. In the meantime, I'm stocking up on Ovaltine.
4: Oh my god, this is driving me crazy, actually. I spent about three hours (laughs) reading all of her old blogs. Um, And I I think... I'm slightly afraid she's actually leading us down the garden path on this
2: one. (laughs) It's all about the metrics! More hits on the blogs! (laughs)
4: Exactly! She's trying to uh, up her standing so that, you know, look at all these hits I'm getting! <laughs> but there's there's some interesting stuff in there. I encourage anybody to go in and check out the thread and sort of follow the the breadcrumbs that have been found so far, because it's pretty... it's fun. It's fun. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, there are no new events coming up in-game this week. But this is just a helpful reminder that this is the last week to get your special reward from the featured episode, House Peg. So be sure to log in and play to get the final Starship trait, the best defense, and your choice of an upgrade or spec point.
2: That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week, and now over to Jake for Foundry in 5.
5: Aloha Admirals! Welcome back to Priority One's Foundry and Five. I've got a nice spot by the bar and I don't want to give it up, so we've reviewed a Foundry mission right here on RISA. So pull up a chair, put on your sunscreen, and start your timers. Because we're Foundry and Fiving, RISA style. This week we review Sacrifice by Captain Revo. Upon completion of this writing, Sacrifice was the third choice in the Foundry Top 3 for the RISA system. It was accurately listed as taking 26 minutes. To begin playing, simply fly to Ryza, grab a Raishan Mai Tai, and click Sacrifice. Searching Sacrifice in the foundry search bar will also yield the same result. Opening mission text advises captains that an important diplomatic conference on Riza, regarding the increased Borg threat, was thrown into chaos when an obscure diplomat was killed. There is a notation from the author stating this mission is text-heavy, combat-light. So now that we have an outline, let's see how it plays. Combat. As stated, the mission text warns players that this is a combat light mission. While this is true, Sacrifice sported enough combat to break up dialogue. There are four encounters, three ground and one space. They aren't difficult, but they aren't forced and they keep the story paced. To be honest, there was more combat than expected. Regardless of difficulty, it exceeded expectations and added to my immersion. 3 out of 5. Puzzles. The mission is a murder mystery, so to say there aren't any puzzles feels somewhat disingenuous. The mission is a puzzle. However, there aren't any reviewable gameplay puzzles. No code breaker, no jumping, no diplomatic. Zero, zip, zilch, nada. As such, puzzles receive a zero out of five. Map Builds Sacrifice is a great map mission in that it doesn't keep you waiting for maps and when it does, it doesn't disappoint. There are a mere four map transitions, three of which are well decorated cryptic maps. Please don't mistake this for negativity, quite the contrary. Captain Revo did a superb job of moving stories seamlessly within the four maps. The one player-built map that was included, and which took the longest to load, was interesting, dynamic, and fun to explore. There weren't any strange new worlds, but the story didn't require it. Props were appropriate, the NPCs were well built, and the story flowed well. Sometimes less is more, and this is a great example of that. Maps get a 4 out of 5. Dialogue. This is a tough score to assess in regards to sacrifice. On the one hand, Captain Rebo created a fleshed-out, interesting, and diverse cast in a 30-minute mission. Each NPC had its own distinct character, and despite the short time spent with each, there is a connection. Though you may want to shake the heck out of a few of the NPCs. But that's good. On the other hand, this mission has some pretty obvious typos and grammatical errors. Some are severe enough to make the player have to reread the pop-up. Sometimes more than once. Further, any dialogue choice provided yields minimal variation in outcome. Captain Rebo gives a fair variance of reaction, but actual gameplay wasn't affected. Overall, though, the dialogue of sacrifice was better than its flaws. 3 out of 5 story. Since I'm a few chocolate passion punches deep, I'll tell you that this reviewer is a sucker for murder mysteries. I love them Movies, shows, games, articles, documentaries, even though the craziest whodunit generally doesn't surprise me, I enjoy the heck out of them Sacrifice was no different. A few NPC conversations was enough to get me sniffing in the right direction. But isn't that the goal of a sleuth author? Those familiar with the genre should have enough to begin formulating a hypothesis, and nothing should be due ex machina. That's what Sacrifice did, and it did it well. On second playthrough, some players will certainly have that you son-of-a-gun moment. But despite this reviewer's love and familiarity with crime stories, the best of stories never ceases to surprise. Overall, though, the story gets a solid 3 out of 5. Before I give the Priority One audience a recommendation, a little backstory is necessary. In early 2012, then-community manager and former Priority One podcast host Brandon Brand Flakes-Feltzer initiated the Foundry Challenge. It encouraged players to interact with the Foundry, a newly implemented system that allowed players to create content for other players. The very first Foundry Challenge had exactly 11 entries. Sacrifice was one of those entries. And despite having the distinction of being one of the oldest form-featured missions available to the Foundry player, it is still relevant. It is still enjoyable. It's still worth playing. This reviewer suggests playing it like you'd watch a TOS episode. Remember, it may not have the best effects now, but it was a pioneer in its time. My exit review was 3 out of 5, and of course, 100 Dilithium. Always tip your authors. For Priority One, I'm Jake Cobb. Now let's order a couple more chocolate passion punches, and then we'll open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
4: Admirals, we're at the part of the show when we open Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was... Did you get the Nandy early? And what are your thoughts? Even if you haven't, what are your opinions about Cam's review and the ship in general?
2: Lieutenant Baz said on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Great show as usual. Oh wait, you are the new guys and gal, right? Well, that's alright. Since Priority One Podcast has always been about the message, stronger than the signal. Or something like that. No, seriously, you're doing great with the scepter so far. Just remember to not drop it. Anyway, did I catch that Scorpions reference right? Looking at you, Cam. Cam? Cam? Sarcasm Detector? Just update the team section with pics and written names and stuff, will ya? But Scorpions, yeah, being a native to them, please still spread the word. Have you seen the Scorpions plus Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra rock you like a hurricane? Oh my!
3: All my information is redacted. But I can tell you that I've seen the scorpions in concerts a few times.
4: Star kicker posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great episode, guys. Love the idea of Command School. Please make this a weekly thing. I'd love to know the team's thoughts on what reputation items are most worth investing in. I've never flown a Ferengi ship before, but love the idea of an onboard exchange.
2: Yeah, me too. And while Command School won't be back every week, we will definitely be doing more Command School segments.
3: Moving on, and here it comes... In duperator posted on the STO forums. Oh great, another anti-proton beam fire at will build. Then he followed up with, seeing the same copied anti-proton build on every video is honestly getting boring. I hope for balance between energy types but that would be completely futile. Eventually there will be a new method of attaining maximum DPS and people will switch to that no doubt. I wish there was more possibilities for builds that aren't the three main types, dual heavy cannon, beamboats, or dual beam bank builds. I'd run a mix of cannons and beams if it wouldn't be completely lackluster. I don't understand the point of these comments. He says that he finds AP fall builds boring, but then says running anything else would be futile? I'm not sure if this is complaining for complaining's sake, or an attempt for him and his friends to pat themselves on the back while mocking AP Fall, or if he was asking why I usually run these types of builds in my videos. I'm going to assume the latter and try to explain. Before Delta Rising, I had and used multiple types and flavors of weapons. Instead of telling you what weapon sets I have, it's easier just for me to say that I didn't have any tetrions. Everything else I had multiple sets of, so many sets of phasers, beam arrays, jewel beam banks, jewel heavy cannons, phased biomatter, biomolecular, advanced fleet, etc. And the same for the other types. When DR arrived, I didn't have the time, the energy, the EC, or the dilithium to upgrade multiple sets of weapons and their tactical consoles. Right now, I run two sets, Anti-Proton Dual Beam Banks and Beam arrays. And they aren't really even good sets, just good enough to the point where I said I can't be bothered anymore. Upgrading the other weapon types would be too expensive, and there's always the risk of getting an unwanted mod. The other thing is, players are going to try running the most effective setup. Why spend 30 minutes grinding inefficiently through a mission for pitiful rewards, when you can spend 10 minutes grinding effectively through a mission for pitiful rewards. So naturally, most people are going to gravitate towards builds that make the game easier for them. This ship, the Nandi, is really limited in its tactical seating compared to other tactical ships. So you really have to make some hard choices and go with what you can afford to fit. All in all, the build that I showed in the video is just something I theory crafted before even taking the ship out for a spin. No one is forcing you to copy my build, it's just there as an example. However, I would prefer in the future if you post something more constructive than, I find this boring. Perhaps you could post your own ideas of a build as an alternative?
2: Yeah, and I'll just play devil's advocate. Sometimes folks like this, I think, are just frustrated that the other types of builds are not as viable and just sort of venting about that because I've, I've definitely seen that sort of thing before. And uh, we got some of those type of comments on our uh, Delta Rising guide that included some of your notes and some of mine and, and some other folks. At the end of the day, it's it's the, that the game is biased towards these types and it, it would be fascinating to see what would happen if that changed, but it would be tough to change that without... Causing some sweeping nerfs that would probably be pretty distressing, or else major power creep. So it's a bit of a catch-22.
4: Yeah, I actually run an AP far build, um, and I like it. I'm, you know, I'm not a, a great ship designer or whatever. I think the build is common because it's pretty easy and it's pretty easy to understand, and it's generally effective, as you said earlier. So um, for someone who's coming in a bit new, it's a good place to start. Um, I'll probably never really move away from it because uh, what it gives me is the ability to do a decent run without paying that much attention and, you know, as long as I'm broadside, I'm good. It gives me a chance to concentrate on other things like my immersion. And as for ship reviews and that sort of thing, I actually think it's really good to demonstrate on an anti-proton fire-at-will build because it's a reference point that most people are going to be familiar with.
2: I would say that now in Delta Rising especially, It's tough because there's a lot bigger investment in choosing an energy type and upgrading consoles to Mark 14, or maybe even going for gold and trying to get the mods on your weapons and all that sort of thing. I used to switch between phaser build and a Polaron build, and I had some anti-protons, but when I decided to go and craft some new weapons and then upgraded them, It didn't make sense to me to put that level of investment into weapons that weren't going to be optimal when some of the content was so much more difficult than it used to be.
3: Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. There is one point I want to point out. Um, If you're talking about flavors of weapons, say Phaser, Tetrion, Polaron, Disruptor, whatever they are, their performance curve are nearly identical. They're very, very close. The only time you're gonna notice a difference is if you're hitting over 50K. And even then, it's minute. We're talking in less than a percentile. To really see the difference, you have to get into the 60K, 70K difference. Since most players are not there, no one's gonna tell the difference. Um, However, the difference between beams and cannons let me get this straight um let's let's be honest here yes beams do more dps however cannons do more damage it's kind of unintuitive i know but you know just forget about the reasons they tell you why beams are more important like fall off range and arc and all that even if you keep the the weapons at the same range and the same arc there is something else that biases the parsers towards beams. And that is the firing cycle. So the firing cycle of beams is five seconds, all right? And in that five seconds, the beams fire four times and then they rest for one second. For dual heavy cannons, however, they fire for one second and then rest for two. Now think about that. And a second. If you've been to college or if you've been to university and you've ever had to calculate your GPA or your grade average, think about it this way. You have two students. One is an A student. The other is a C student. They have uh, the same number of tests. They have like five tests they gotta do. The A student goes in, he does four of the tests, and he aces them, gets an A plus in every single one, and then breaks his leg on the fifth day and misses the test and gets a big fat zero. The C student, however, comes in and gets a C every single day for all five tests. At the end, the student with the C average has a higher grade average than the A student because the A student missed a day and got a zero. This is the same thing that's happening here. Cannons are doing more damage, but because they have longer periods in their cycle where they're not firing, where they're getting zero damage the average gets cut down significantly.
2: That makes sense. I hadn't heard the explanation in quite those terms before. I knew the firing cycles were totally different, and it's obvious if you try them both, because I've flown them both.
3: Correct. Also, the firing cycles also affect the overcapping. So for the four seconds that the beams are firing, EPS is pumping power back into the uh, weapon power systems. However, for dual heavy cannons, they're only firing for one second. They only have one second for the EPS to put power back in. Mm-hmm. And let's not talk about torpedoes now because those guys are so bugged. There's a guy I know who's called Odin Knight. Oh, yeah. If you guys you want to know about torpedoes, just contact him. I think it's at Odin Knight. Um, get yourself a nice comfortable seat, a pillow, a blanket, and prepare to sit down and listen for him to tell you everything that's wrong with torpedoes.
2: And then have your mind blown with everything that's involved in actually playing them fully effectively right now.
3: Exactly.
2: All right, so we actually got one piece of feedback from Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. He said, I hear a question asking, why didn't we do rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, and instead only did rock, paper, scissors for the new ship emotes? Well, we tried. We asked CBS, but it's actually copyrighted, so we do not have the rights to it. Sorry. Such a missed opportunity.
4: That is a
3: shame. It is a terrible missed opportunity.
2: The the bummer of that is that, at the way I understand it, because I actually did a little internet research of this, a.k.a. I wikied it, Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizard Spock was used on Big Bang Theory without the permission of the creator of it. He didn't actually even know until someone pointed it out that his name was mentioned on the show and they used his game. So presumably since then they must have worked out some kind of arrangement and either paid him off to, or bought the copyright to it or, or something. But that would have been so cool.
4: Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STOPriority One or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 226 of Priority One Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this special broadcast, but sadly our shore leave is over and it's time to pack up our feather monkeys and head back to the USS Prioritas.
3: But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. Do you play normal and or advanced PvE queues? What do you think about the changes to rewards and will you change which queues you choose to run? Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash p o two two six
2: admirals we want to thank you for your ongoing support of priority one podcast thanks to our patrons we've already hit our monthly running costs don't forget even if you can't offer financial support sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us that support
3: admirals you know we love hearing from you let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community questions in the comment section on our site on our Facebook page or with a Twitter reply.
4: Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in-game Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. That's all one word.
3: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
4: Priority One Fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now you can join our Klingon Fleet Division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join.
2: Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years. Including our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale, to all our bloggers and their managing editor, Elle, to the writer of our Prelude dramas and Foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, to Chris Trone, our social media manager, and to consultant, Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Media, for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready phasers. Engage. Engage.
4: Episode two twenty six of Pirate. Uh, the thing.
0: Pirate one podcast. Pirate.
3: You can do it, Cam. You can do it. it.
4: Yeah, it's two hundred and twenty six. Anyway, Arr.
1: Pirate Radio. Yarr. <sighs> okay. Do what you want
3: because okay. a pirate is free. <laughs> Yarr.
4: <laughs>
3: See, finally, Cryptic should create some kind of tutorial mission. There are a lot of community beige. And all, community beige? Beige? Wow.
1: Beige.
2: The they're community beige has been. Centers.
3: Yes, they're now all beige. Nice white, off color white.
4: Here's the latest comments. Pl- blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah.
3: <laughs> you, can, you can do it, Cam. You can do it, Cam.
2: <laughs> beeble, bobble, beeble, bob.
4: But yeah. <clears> hmm. <throat>
2: Hello, Admirals. You're listening to episode 226 of Priority One Prod... Oops. Oh. Oops. Podcast. Oh, dear. I'm going to prod you guys. Yeah.
3: Our Foundry Review...
2: Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, he's
3: wonderful.
4: <laughs> Hard to pronounce his name, though.
3: <clears throat> Our Foundry Reviewer, I can't say it.
2: Before we Our, wrap the show.
3: Before we <laughs> wrap it things up. And as always, before we wrap up things, we'll oh, uh, see, I said <laughs> that wrap totally properly. <laughs>
1: that wasn't going to go very
3: well. <laughs> I said wrap properly, but it's just afterwards, oh boy. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open Healing Frequencies. <sighs> Come
2: on, Cam. Hope you guys are comfortable. I got your back.
3: <laughs> I need something to drink.
5: Hero? Well, I mean, if you want to call a man who single-handedly took down a Gorn a hero, well, I mean, I guess I fit that description. <laughs> oh, ladies, excuse me, I have a show to do. I'll be right back. Aloha, admirals. Welcome back to Priority One's Foundry and Five.